Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for a groundbreaking episode of television for the 100th time. We get to talk about Jack Bauer. At least the 100th episode of 24. I know we've done more episodes than 100 on 24, but whatever. This is the 100th episode of 24 that ever existed, ever, in life. It first aired on the 16th of January, 2006. I should mention this is day five, episode four, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Written by Joel Cernow and Michael Losef, directed by Brad Turner. And stuff happens in this episode. There's, there's bras being felt up and documents being signed and a guy from Lord of the Rings is in this one. I think he's from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I don't remember those yes. movies. I fell asleep and... Jack Bauer is in a flank two position because that's important. My name is Ben. And how come you keep getting better looking as you get older? It's just genetics. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome, though. Um, my name is Colin, and I'm recording with Ben. Flank two, flank two. I, um, I'm, I'm very happy that finally you've learned how to flank, Colin. <laughs> um, it's been a while, but... Uh, Better late than never. Uh, this is a great episode. I mean, the first four of the episodes of this season are fantastic. Um, and it really, it does feel like a bit of an, an event, I feel. Kind of, you know, you've got this big raid and the hostages and everything going on. And then we kind of get a couple of carrots dangling in front of us. We get some canisters, which, ooh, they might lead to something. Uh, we get Logan getting told he's sexy, which he is. What a sexy man Gregory Itson was. Um, we get Sean Aston. Lynn McGill, you can call me Mr. Waterworth, please. I would prefer that. Maybe if we're having a beer, you could call me Ben Collin. But, uh, you know, you sort of get a bit of a weird vibe about this man who 95% of the time is 100% correct. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like this episode. A lot a lot happens. And a celebratory episode, Colin, the 100th episode of 24. Always a, Generally, you get given a um, like a permanent stage if you reach 100, I think. Like it's kind of like you get to 100 episodes and... You get residency at the studio. It's kind of like a landmark deal that you get. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wish we'd done something for our 100th episode of 24. That was like uh, eight years ago. <laughs> we were up to like 1,200 episodes now. Jesus, you can't shut us we, up. Yeah, we probably didn't even realize uh, we were at 100 when we were at 100. But uh, what I actually find really interesting about this episode is that it, it fits so much in with the previous episode. And, and all four of these, I mean, this season was really the first one that embraced that. Let's do a four episode premiere all as one. And to me, this is just, you know, part two of last week uh, and really part four of the entire thing. Uh, it's so seamless. It's so uh, proper in its continuation that uh, 
it's hard to even separate, you know, which one was last week, which one was this week. So my rankings may be very close to what I ranked it at last week by the end of this. But Sean Astin, I mean, I remember really liking Sean Astin when he was on the show. This episode, so much better than I even remembered. And I remembered liking him. I mean, he's great. This is exactly what the show needs. It's it's weird, isn't it, I feel, with Sean Astin? Because he kind of like, I, I, he plays his character in a way where you kind of think he's a bad actor. Like there's just some certain mm-hmm. lines that he delivers that you're kind of like, wow, that's really bad. But like, I think it's just the material that's given him in the way he's playing his character. Because like his introduction is kind of very hammy. And it kind of works well with like Chloe. But it's just, it's like, it's an odd portrayal of this character that I remember watching this. I've told you multiple times about the watching this with my friend and she hated him. She's like, who is this guy? Like, what is, what's, what is, what is the deal with Sean Astin? Because is his name like Mary Flinkins or something in Lord of the Rings? What's his name? Uh, Sam Gamgee. Oh, who's, isn't there like a Mary something or something? There is a Mary, yeah. There's yeah. a Mary and a, a Pippin, but a he Pippin. has the normal name, Sam. Yeah. Oh, hello to all our listeners called Mary and Pippin. Um, <laughs> I had a cat called Pippa. Um, is that okay with you? M- Mary, Mary and Pippin Stevens. Mary, right now listening. Mary Flinkins or whatever it is, but um, <laughs> Mary Flankins. Flankins is J- Jack Smiggins' bestie, right? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he just he does a very like interesting portrayal of this, but I think this is again another episode where really we kind of almost go chronologically. I think the only real thing that we kind of separate from anything is just the Martha stuff because outside of that everything kind of is connected to the point where you kind of have to do it all together, right? So if, if you're happy with that, I think we can sort of get Martha I'm over and done with. You're very happy. You're very happy. You're a happy man. You're, you're always happy. You've never had a sad day in your life. Um, But, okay, so basically Martha is hanging out here with, um, what, what's the assistant's name? I always forget her name. Evelyn. Evelyn. Thank you, Evelyn. Uh, so she's all like, hey, Evelyn. Uh, shit's going down and I've got this transcript and I'm going to put it in my bra because that... The will, one place nobody will ever look. That will definitely not come into play in this episode at all. But, like, has she actually... Re- like, I, I know she kind of... You saw her in the filing and she's obviously sitting here kind of, like, reading it. She's, like, stroking her chin going, hmm, yes, I must be correct. I'm going to hide it in my bra. Like... I mean, I get it. Like, her husband's kind of signing, like, world peace deal with Russia. But, like, surely this warrants a little bit more of, like, a bit of attention. She said, hmm, I'm definitely <laughs> correct. Like, if I'm her, I'm taking a photo of this on my phone. I'm photocopying it. I'm putting, like, 30 <laughs> different versions, like, in the cupboard. Like, I mean, I don't know. She's very blasé with this. I'm putting it in my bra. She's very old school. <laughs> exactly. That's where everybody put things back in the olden days, their bras. Um, but Evelyn's all like, well, Mrs. Logan, that's a good idea. And I kind of like how she's like, well, I've got to bide my time because my husband thinks I'm crazy. So that kind of sets some things up. She's sort of standing with Logan during all the signing and stuff. We'll get to that. But then she kind of, Pulls him aside. Oh, I guess we also get this. Uh, I guess it's kind of important. Walt and Evelyn. Uh, so Walt's kind of like, so Mrs. Logan, did she keep anything in a bra recently? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn's, well, funnily you say that. Uh, but I, this is why I like Evelyn because she's kind of like, she's just along for the ride. She's a passenger here. She's, you know, like, oh, shit, I don't want to get into trouble because Walt's all kind of like, so I hear she was in the archive room. Uh, maybe. 
I hear she took some classified documents. Maybe, I don't know. If you don't tell me the truth, I'm going to shoot you and your children and burn everybody you know. Oh, it's in a bra. Thank you, Evelyn. You're my <laughs> favourite. Uh, so I kind of like this scene where Walt's like manipulating Evelyn into this. Um, Martha, meanwhile, is like slutting up to Logan. Like, oh, you're so handsome and I just get uglier. Oh, oh, Mr. President. Oh, take me now. And then after the uh, signing, take me now. I need to tell you something. This is an amazing scene though. Like I just kind of love this standoff between Charles and Martha because she's just kind of like, I'm your wife and I demand my your attention now. And Charles is just like, very soon, Martha. Like I'm kind of busy, kind of creating world peace. Uh, no time for loving now, baby. But like this is where like it kind of works so well because we know what Martha's trying to do here, but then like Charles has been very patient here. And I guess this is just kind of like Charles going like, oh, cuckoo crazy. My wife's doing this again. Although he does share an interesting look with Walt, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, I still stand by my fact that the turn of him later this season doesn't feel warranted. And I still don't believe they knew at this point that he was going to be a certain way, but there are certain elements where every now and then you kind of go, Hmm, Okay. Um, so sort of a knowing look to Walt and then the, the big cliffhanger of this episode is essentially, uh, Martha gets choked out with chloroform, uh, and Walt fills her up. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I want to do with any fur, like Jill Biden, give me some chloroform so I can feel up your boobs. Um, and congratulations to Gojo who just announced his re-election campaign. So, um, Gojo for term two. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a really good side plot. You you would think in an episode like this where there's so much action going on and the, the stakes are so high on, like, the, the Jack and CTU side that you would kind of feel like when you cut to this Logan stuff, it would be like, oh, really? I'll get back to the good stuff. But what ties this together is not just that the Martha stuff is really entertaining, but it's how the Logan part is integrated into everything else with the the whole we need to synchronize our peace treaty signing exactly with the rescue operation and is down to the minute. And there's even that moment where uh, he he's basically starting it. He's saying we need to make this exactly at the right time. Otherwise, the rescue operation is not going to work out. And all of a sudden, CTU is like, he's a minute and a half early. What are we going to do? It's like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to show you, boobs. Call president? <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, uh, get, <laughs> get somebody in there to flash him. Uh, but uh, that really helps make this Logan part, you know, easier when you get to it. It doesn't drag the pace of the episode down anyway. But uh, I-, I think this is the the first episode where you really start to get a sense like this Martha storyline is going to work out. You know, like, like how even John Kassar and Keith Rosellan had said, uh, you know, nobody was really excited about this storyline. But like this is where it really works. And so much of it is gene smart and gregory itson together and and the way their scenes play like i love that moment where she comes to him in the end and uh is saying no no we need to have the conversation now and he's playing to the cameras and this is that that thing that i've been talking about for a couple weeks now about logan becoming an actor you know in season four he couldn't hide his emotions he couldn't do anything when he was frustrated and then by the end of the season he became like oh i'm gonna act for whoever's around me and and that i think is something that's really gonna pay off later on in the season but the way that you can see on Gregory Itson's face, the frustration, and he's simultaneously doing that while he, like, like he'll have one look, and then a split second later, he's got another look where it's like, oh, now he's playing to the cameras. 
oh no, now he's upset at Martha. Like it's it's done so well where I'm imagining this. Imagine if a president had every camera in the nation on him mm. and this is how he would have to react. Like you could see him sweating and then also being like smiling and waving at the same time. Like it, it's brilliant what he does here and then her as well, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, the whole thing about her hiding it in her bra, I mean, it's just, there's no better way to make Walt even more sinister than have the look that comes across his face when she's like, uh, she hit it in her bra. And he sort of walks away and he has a smile. He's like, well, I've been wanting to do this for four years. Uh, but I also really like the setup of Evelyn's story arc here, which nobody's realizing they're setting up a story arc, which is that she kind of pushed around a lot in this season and, you know, sort of held hostage in her own way uh, with a lot of politics and all that. And this is sort of the first hint of what's going to happen with Evelyn later on. It does pay off really well. So, yeah, Martha's storyline's good. Um Walt's a great menacing villain here. And then I also noticed that look, you know, when uh, he, he looks at Walt and everything, when he finds out uh, everything that's going on. And that's where I'm still standing by the fact that it's like Gregory Itson probably had no clue what he was doing, but there was somebody on the, the set that was telling him, do this and we're not going to tell you why. Just do this. I also like the look that he gives when Martha's all like, hey, you're getting so handsome. He's kind of like a little kid. Like he's going, oh, you think I'm cute. Oh, like it's just kind of like he's just, I kind of like it when these two are like lubby-dubby and it's it's very few and far between because like you could just, like you can tell that Charles loves Martha so much and he's just like, no, yeah. whereas Martha, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Typical woman in a marriage. Um, so I guess the rest of this kind of connected, go in order in some way and everything. I mean, we've got CTU having another meeting because it wouldn't be a episode of 24 without CTU having a meeting and remembering to refresh the plot so we all know what's uh, happening and basically everything that we need to know is here. Does Chloe say something here like, chances of rescue are 25%. Who is she, C-3PO? Like, I mean... <laughs> Never tell me the odds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, if I've got one complaint in this episode, it's the stupidity of, of our terrorists here because, like, we've had Jack surrender himself, right? So now we've all got here and he's all like, tell me what CTU want to do. It's like, oh, they're going to invade the building. Okay. Clearly the boy means something to you. We will keep him alive. Bring me another hostage. Why? Like, be evil, you dickhead like just shoot the boy in front of him like this is what you've got to like i don't get people like this who are evil and they're not really evil don't care for the boy kill the boy kill jack you don't really want this at the very least you don't have to kill uh derek shoot him in the leg or something like that you know and and just show Jack you're taking this seriously. Exactly. Like, I just, I, I mean, I get it. You're not going to kill the main character. I understand why they're doing it. Like, I'm not that dumb, but like, it just, it's frustrating now because I guess in 2023, you're not going to have this. Like, you know, it's it's rare to kind of like do this. Generally, you just kill people because, you know, realism. So then they go to grab like another person to kill. Just want to say, sex is terrorists. Why are they only killing men? Hmm? <laughs> there are women there. Kill some women. Sexist. Those women deserve it. They had it coming. Exactly. Getting at. Um, and then it's kind of like a little subtle moment, I guess, where we're going to learn about Yellow Tie Man because they grab this guy in a suit and they're like, "No, not him. Grab that other, that younger fella. Like uh, that guy could probably do my accounting or something like that. Like uh, I don't know." And then they just kill random guy. And again, Jack. Like I get it. You got to care for Derek here. Fair enough. But like, 
this guy's innocent. He's got a denim jacket. Probably. He's, that's what makes him innocent. <laughs> Nobody a, wears denim can oh be no, guilty. It's, it's not a denim jacket. Sorry, it's like a cargo jacket. Now nah, kill him. Um, but, <laughs> but like, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, well, dead, whatever. Um, and this is where, like, I love it when they cut to Fox News. It's like, and we've just received a video confirming that another hostage has died. So now you're going to delay it. Ten minutes ago, you were broadcasting live anything, you know? Good old Fox News in 2006. Um, so old Johnny Come Cargo jacket's dead. Um, <laughs> rip Johnny Come Cargo. Uh, I do like this scene here with Logan, how he's just kind of like, you know, he's kind of doubting himself. He's basically like, oh, you know, innocent blood's on my hands here. Maybe I should delay it. You know, maybe I should hold off on this. And, and basically Walt's talking him into like, no, no, you've got to keep going through with this, sir. This is your, but sir, this is your major policy. <laughs> Um, Connie Britton's here and she's having a standoff with Curtis. She's all like, I'm Connie Britton. Where's Derek? And Curtis is like, get out of my face, Connie Britton. I'm Curtis. And he just gets into a car and drives off. All Connie Britton does is this episode. goes, what's going on? Get out of the way, Connie Britton. Um, if you followed more people on Instagram, then maybe we'd listen to you today, but you can just stand (laughs) in the background and not do much. Um, nice little moment between Derek and Jack where he's just kind of like, calm down. You're doing well. Um, Jack then's got a call, CTU, and he's all like, hey, CTU, how you doing? And they're like, good, Jack, how are you? How's it being alive? And he's like, yeah, not bad. So, uh, sorry <laughs> about that. Um, there was a terrorist in my way. So, um, yeah, let's, let's kind of go in the other door. Oh, that's stupid, Jack. Yeah, I know. But just listen to me because I'm right. Oh, flank two position, by the way. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> like... Again, dumb terrorist here. Like, I mean, why isn't he just like literally like that's a bit weird the way he kind of says it, you know, I don't know. Just it's a bit (laughs) odd. But then also dumb CTU, like jumping ahead here when good old Sean Aston saves the day with his Mary Flinken's mind or whatever, (laughs) the way he's basically all like, oh, this is a distress code. And they're all like, oh, it's not in our books anymore. No, but when Jack was working here, it was technically that was only a couple of years ago. Chloe was there. Like, yeah. I mean, I know Chloe's not a field operative, but I mean, still, and Bill was like head of freaking division for how long doing Michelle. Like, I mean, if right now we change the name to this to Mary Flinkins in the podcast, like, I mean, I'm sure in two years time, we're still going to go, hey, remember we were called the Oz Network? Like, I think well, we were called Survivor Oz at one point, weren't we? I can't remember. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just. I think there's a, there's a defense for that, which is they're basically saying that, you know, these get run through all these programs and everything that pick out these duress words so it's not necessarily that anybody on staff ever knows they probably don't even know right now what the duress code is or whatever or how many different duress codes there are so i think this is more a computer program thing where it's like chloe would never bill chloe they never even had to have known what this was they just rely on the computers to do their work but yeah okay i get that but at the same time like city you don't even question this when he goes i'm in a flank two position so if this is a legitimate position that people are in. Why is that a distress code? Like if I'm like, I'm standing, yeah, what happens if- <laughs> I'm standing behind the wall on the left-hand side. That's a code. But they're all like, Oh, what if when he, when he was robbing the, the convenience store, they're like, Jack, what are you doing? It's like, I'm in a flank two position. He's actually meaning they're going to kill me. I'm in a flank two position. Yeah. Like, I mean, if that's a legitimate position, then I mean, it's a bit confusing there. Anyway, nitpicking aside, um, we get our first introduction to Lynn McGill. Sean Aston comes in. Hello, Chloe. 
And she's all like, who's that guy? I don't care. She's all like, he's all like, oh, I'm going to go see Bill. And then we kind of get this like, it's really awkward. He's kind of like, uh, yes, uh, I'm Lynn McGill. Pleased to meet you. Bill. Oh, yes, I heard you're here, Lynn. Great to see you here. Well, if we were having a beer, you could call me Lynn, but I think we should address each other as Mr. and Mr. It's like, okay. Uh, and then he's just all like, so uh, I'm here to like check over things. And Bill's like, well, why? It's like, well, you know, the whole Jack Bow situation, which again, I'm sorry, I'm on board with Lynn. Like, I mean, this is something which if you had this situation happen, whether you were aware of him being alive or not, it needs to be investigated. He's a former agent that somehow died on your watch and he's still alive. There's some issues there around that. And he's kind of like, I'm taking over your office. And please, when you're in front of everyone, call me Mr. McGill. And Bill's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, yeah, all right, but I'm taking your office still. Ha ha, see ya. Um, But... I guess I'll just stop here for a moment because I just I love this introduction. It's just kind of like it's awkward, but there's just something endearing about Lynn where you're like, ah, I like this guy. Yeah, like the awkwardness, it makes total sense if you've ever worked in a very professional environment mm. um, or even an unprofessional environment where there's one professional person there. I mean, like this the is Network. the guy. Like the Oz Network. Yeah, I mean, this this is how Rocky addresses all of us. <laughs> just shut up, Rocky. <laughs> uh, but uh, this this feels like the bureaucrat coming in who is not your you know, Mason or your Chappelle who's barking orders or anything like that. This is like the guy who gets ahead because like, oh, he's really good at his job and he's so polite. And it's like, because he he's not necessarily saying or doing polite things to Bill, but he's phrasing it in a way where it's like, this is how you act in a professional work environment. You know, mm. uh, it, it, it just, it reminds me of probably half a dozen people that I've worked with before where you're like, wow, like, if I pick apart what that guy said, he was a very nice guy. But if I listen to, you know, how he said it, it's like there's something unsettling about it. Like mm-hmm. it's, that, that would be the best way to look at it. He's unsettlingly polite. Yeah. And it's the perfect setup because you immediately start being suspicious of this guy. And then with the swerve that's going to come later on, you're like, oh, maybe I misjudged him. But like, you shouldn't be misjudged. He should be coming in. You're like, Man, what a great guy. He's got such a kissable face. <laughs> <laughs> Just love this man. <laughs> Is that, is that uh, you or I, Jamie talking? Uh, <laughs> that was you last week. That was you. Oh, true. He really does have <laughs> a, kissable a kissable face. face. But but as I mentioned, Jamie's got a weird thing for Sean Astin, as I've discovered. Um, maybe it's not weird. I don't know. She married but, you, uh, so I guess her taste is pretty low. It's, it's not, whenever she's whenever she's like looking at like you know, somebody, like, I'm not saying Sean Astin's a bad looking guy, but like when she's like, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's so handsome. I'm like, you're not making me feel like really confident when you're telling me I'm attractive when you're like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm, what a man. <laughs> I don't know. Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's pretty. Oh, we, you know, you got Keanu Reeves, you know, Henry Cavill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, all in the same club, Often right? Compared. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's some other good stuff here just in the intro, uh, uh, even outside of like Bill and Lynn with uh, Spencer and Chloe and Edgar's little exchange where she's asking Spencer to do something. Yeah, just give me one second. We don't have a second, Spencer. And then Edgar's like, nice guy. Hey, uh, do you want me to help her, boss? <laughs> and then she's like, he doesn't need any help. <laughs> he doesn't need any help. Um, I don't know if you talked about this already when when Lynn is introducing himself to Chloe. I think that's when he first comes in. Yeah. Hello, I'm Lynn McGill or whatever. We met last year at a memory management conference and she's like, if you say so, <laughs> like, that is like the first time I think they've ever written a very obvious comedy line for a comedian for, for uh, Mary Lynn here. Yeah. <laughs> Memory management conference. And she's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> just, I just love that. I had to rewind it. It was so good. 
and, and yeah, even just the way that Bill and Lynn respond to each other is just fantastic. Um, uh, I don't know if you've covered this yet where uh, the Bill has a moment uh, where he, he doesn't even say what's going on. And then when he walks away, I don't know if it's Spencer or Edgar is like, what's wrong with Bill? And it's like, well, he just realized we won't have enough time to save the hostages uh, now. Just, I'm just about to get to sort of cranky Bill because oh. Bill, Bill's a bit cranky for the rest of this episode now. Yeah, but but I, I just I just want to mention that along with how Lynn is like being, this is how professional acts, you know, even if I am being bossy and I am telling you what to do, I don't do that in front of the, it's not about demoralizing the troops, you know? Uh, I've definitely had people talk to me like the way Lynn's talking to them, but uh, even Bill here, like this is such a subtle detail that was written in the script where Bill's not like, oh, now we're not going to have enough time to save the hostages. <laughs> That's the way Mason would be. He's basically saying nothing at all. And other people are like, hmm, something's wrong with Bill. He knows we're not going to have enough time to save the hostages. Like, it's great that Bill is this type of character who's like, I'm not going to tell the the underlings what's actually bothering me. And I like that like because I feel that sometimes you need to have a character who's like, I mean, this is a very stressful environment. You know, they're, they're being told, yeah. invade, don't invade, move, do this, do that. You got the president on there and we'll get to Mike's phone call in a minute, which I love. But like, it's just, it's... Like, Bill's under stress here. Like, he's getting a lot... And this is where, like, I, I think you need this sometimes in a show like this because we've talked about how, you know, I've had two seasons of a nuclear bomb about to go off and people are just, like, almost on their phones going, well, oh, nuclear bomb, all right, I'll get to that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, this is kind of a level where we've not seen someone at CTU act before. And, like, now he's kind of got this weird, you know, politely stern boss guy coming in. Just kind of like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And just like, whatever. Like, I mean, I'm not calling you Mr. McGill. Like, fuck off. Like, I'm busy. Shit to do. I've got a, you know, hostages to save. You know, leave, leave, leave me alone. And you know what makes it even better is that the, the stakes right now, at least from CTU's perspective, this isn't a nuclear bomb going off. This isn't a virus getting out. This isn't the Secretary of Defense being kidnapped or football being stolen. This is as simple as, well, we got a hostage crisis. And we're seeing them for the first time probably ever really reacting in the way that you expect them to react during all the crises. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love how we've got random woman here who's basically all like, hey, Bill, how you doing? Uh, so uh, uh, Lynn wants to see you right now. I'm busy. No, he said you need to be now. Oh, fuck. And then I just kind of like this, like walks in and he's just all like, take a seat, uh, Mr. Buchanan. Like, I don't have the time for this. Take a seat, Bill. And what's Take a seat, young Skywalker. <laughs> Take a seat, leave us. Um, <laughs> but what's he basically like saying here? He's just kind of like, so I've uh, noticed this stuff going on and this and this. And he's just like, I don't have time for this. And he's like, well, please, yeah. if you can do this for me, I would much appreciate it. Like, you know, we're here to like work together and kind of do this. And like, again, 24 always does this where you're meant to be suspicious of a person. And they kind of, they do a bit of a MacGuffin in this episode because all this whole time we're hating on Lynn. But then all of a sudden he's going to be all like, I saved the day. I'm Lynn McGill and I saved the day. And then like at the end of it, we're meant to hate him again because of what he tries to do with Jack. But I'm jumping ahead here right now. Lynn is 100% correct. You should be doing yeah. that with Jack. Like he is a suspect. Like right oh. now he should be doing this with Tony and well, yes. Palmer's dead. But everybody else, you know, excuse me. We had people on staff that knew this man was alive and faked his death. And the, But that's the that's the thing. Like that's literally the thing where he's correct because like, like, again, show's got to show, plot's got to plot. But we're four hours in, they've all discovered Jack's alive, and they've just accepted it. There's no questions. Yeah. They're just like, oh, okay, well, Jack's alive. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, clearly this photo was fake. Four hours ago, you were so certain that you had to arrest him. 
So now Lynn's the only one who is still going by the book and is like, um, sorry, but he's still a suspect. I'm sure he's fine, but we've at least got to question him. And this is my issue if I have any issue around this whole Lynn storyline and the CTU, the CTU stuff just gets grating this season because there are so many times when we are meant to be like, oh, fuck the establishment, Bill and Chloe and, and Audrey and Jack, they're all correct, when most of the time this season they're not. They are actually just being like rebellious dicks, okay for the greater good, but Lynn is 100% correct in wanting to question Jack. I jumped way ahead there, but I just rant well, over. Also... also- this isn't like season three or season four where every time you would try to bring Jack in for questioning or, or have him deal with the actions, there's some other crisis to deal with. Yeah. As far as CTU knows at the end of this episode, like, all right, problem solved guys. <laughs> time, time to, time to go celebrate. Oh, but we got to bring Jack in. First. There's nothing else for Jack to do from even Jack's perspective right now. Hey, if they're going to bring me in, now's the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we get, um, is this where basically they're like, oh, they're signing the treaty. And they're like, they're 90 seconds early. Like, it's like, oh no, <laughs> like Jesus, yeah. signing a piece of paper. Um, we get a, an update here from the man in the Bluetooth who's all basically like, hey, so you're going to go through with your evil plan, evil terrorist? And he's all like, you know I will. I believe in our cause. Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's go Yemen. Um it's always Yemen. Um, <laughs> Logan has a cool little exchange here with Suvorov. He's basically all like, so uh, we're, we're still like buddies here. We're going to stop war and shit. And he's all like, yeah, absolutely. Anti-war. Go America. Go Russia. Um, so that's good. Um, and this is where... So this is this is the whole Logan-Martha exchange. of the whole like, hey, big boy, you're so sexy. I love you. And then this is when they're going up on the stage that are about to start signing. I fucking love Logan here when he walks up on the stage and he does that very like Nixon esque like like it's not I'm, yeah. looks like I'm doing a Hitler thing here, but you know what I mean. He kind of <laughs> yeah. like yeah. he kind of has like that wave that if you watch any like old school Nixon footage of it, it's just a very over the top wave that a president does when they walk on stage. And there's all the parallels. Gregory Itzen's talked about in many interviews. I mean, he's got a bit of a Nixon look about him and then. There was always parallels between Logan and Nixon and sort of, I think even Greg Ritson has said like, yeah, I sort of played it like a Nixon type president. So I kind of like how they kind of play into that. But this is where we get, I love this phone call with Mike. It's like, Bill, what's going on? You're meant to have invaded by now. It's like, sorry, sir. We're still setting up. Uh, I'll call you back. No, stay on the line with me. Okay, sir. You stay on the phone with me. <laughs> and then I just, I just, I just want, like they cut away and they go back to the speech. But I just want there to be more to this. You stay on the phone with me. Okay, sir. Did you watch the game last night? Uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Can you believe it? The Leafs choked again in game seven. I know. <laughs> what is the deal with that? I'm like, what is the exchange like when they're on the phone still from that point on? Like, it's just, it's odd. Um, Lynn comes in here to the situation room, basically. Because, I mean, Bill's not on the phone with freaking uh, Mike here. He's on the phone to Curtis. So um, Lynn's basically like, hey, so Jack called. He's like, yes. It's like, this is weird. Send me the transcripts. And they're like, oh, we don't have time, but all right, I'll send them to you. Again, Lin doing his job because, again, he's the only one here who seems to see that this might be a little bit odd. So uh, thanks, Lin. Uh, CTU are prepping and getting ready to blow the door. Curtis is, I'm prepping the bombs. Um, and then Lin's basically all like, oh, like, hmm, I can't see Sector 5. Hello, Chloe. Shut up. I'm busy. Unlock Sector 5. You don't need to come with us for And then Lynn's just like, okay, like you're up on insubordination charges for speaking to your boss like a bitch. 
but whatever. Um, and then we sort of get a bit of exchange here, a bit of background on Lynn where, you know, Chloe's all like, oh, this Lynn McGill's slowing us down. It's like, yeah, that's his style. I work with him. 20% of the staff left within three, oh, were gone within three days. It's like, oh, they quit? No, he fired them. Like, it's kind of like, oh, all right. You know, we've got to be led to be believed that this guy's bad news. Um, we get, this is, this is one of those bits where, again, it's like, you can interpret this look with Logan sort of as he's sort of looking at Mike and he's kind of got this nervous look on his face when now Suvarov is speaking. But again, knowing what happens later, could you interpret this as something differently? Like he's like, oh, you know, don't drag it out. I want the hostages to die, I guess. Um, meanwhile, back at the airport, we sort of get a bit of a thing setting up what we're going to get going on now. Really the main plot of this season, I think a lot of it is around this nerve gas that we're going to get. So we're back in the hall. Uh, back in the, the arrival hall, essentially. Uh, terrorist one goes to Terrace two and is all like, hey, you know, Johnny, he's dead. He killed himself, but I've got the card. Da, 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 da. And then we sneakily see him handing off to Yellow Tie guy who didn't get uh, shot before. And Jack's looking at this guy. And he's like, hmm, that's unusual. Um, so, um, and maybe I'll just sort of cap it there and then I'll sort of close it out with all the action that sort of comes at the end. So a few bits to get there, I guess. Uh, so we're we're not talking about the actual rescue or the no raid no I'll, I'll cab it there. just before there just okay. before we get to that. Um, I mean the, the Lynn stuff it, it, it's it's probably the best way that they've ever messed with the audience with one of these characters by having not just one person multiple people say oh he slows people down oh he does this he's holding and me you're back resolving it in one ep- <laughs> he's holding us back. But but like resolving in one episode is the 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 best way to actually really mess with the audience here. Uh, although I do have to wonder when uh, I think Spencer is saying that oh yeah this many people were gone within the first week and we know this show is going to take place in twenty four hours. I mean if you're trying to basically threaten us with you guys will all be fired by the end of the week, it's like okay so that'll be like eight <laughs> seasons from now. Like <laughs> this is a twenty four hour show. There's not much threat there. Uh, but uh, I I love the the logan speech and everything because again you have to kind of sometimes push yourself in the the position of imagine if this was actually happening and i don't know whether this really came across as well uh on screen as they probably intended but the idea of the situation where the public is actually aware there's a terrorist incident going on right now and news crews are likely reporting there's probability that this thing will be delayed or whatever and the, the probable likelihood uh, all of Ben's most hated <laughs> uh, journalism uh, issues. But the fact is, you got to imagine the media is reporting, hey, this may be something that's going to stall this treaty signing. Mm. And Logan is sort of half addressing that in his speech, too, where he's like, you know, we will not be deterred by the, I love what he calls it, the barbaric lawlessness taking place in the. We're not condoning a course of action that would lead us to war. <laughs> you almost and you almost hear about like Ontario Airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that situation. Ontario Airport <laughs> loses. But like I think because I'm sort of thinking about that in my head, it doesn't bother me as much. Although I, I I probably should be a little bit more bothered that this is you're not seeing even flashes of the news saying like that this is probably all a way to delay this treaty signing and uh you know will they delay it won't they delay it uh logan's speech i like that we only get cuts of it but in a way i kind of wish that we had built this up a little bit more that like everybody knows this thing's happened this isn't where 
Logan's like, hey, we got to do this thing at the right time. Like, like everybody, the terrorists are watching this right now. And, you know, Susie Jenkins and Mary Jenkins or whatever, sitting at home, Mary and Pippin watching this at home right now. <laughs> They're watching the news coverage. Like that tension almost could have been built a little bit better, although it's still done well here. Um, yeah, the, all of the the Bill stuff, as I mentioned, is is great. Like, you know, him having to barely hide his disgust for Lynn. And then when he's in front of Lynn, he's just like, yes, as you say, sir, whatever. Um, it, it's all good. Uh, was there anything else we called to talk about here? Yeah, the, the look between Walt and Logan. Um, uh, I don't know what else we missed here. Uh, Audrey's just in the background a lot. Audrey's <laughs> really not doing much I this season, she, is she? <laughs> I, I, I counted multiple times where... They're talking, and then they just cut to a shot of Audrey, and she's sort of looking. Like, hmm. Yeah. And and then I started to look for, hey, is there a line of dialogue? And I think she literally has one line of dialogue in this entire episode. I think Kim Rave is getting the easiest paycheck of her career right now because I think she's still second billing yeah. of this season. Um. So I mean, it's still like starring Kevin Sutherland, Kim Raver. So she's getting laughing all that. She does play into this a lot more later in the season, and there's a terrible storyline involving her, which I hate, but. Uh, I mean, she's only. I think I'm pretty sure she gets to bump in bump bump uglies with Jack next week. You know, I think they get to see each other next week. So there's a bit oh, of a payoff on that. So there. Uh, I guess one other thing to mention here. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you noticed the main terrorist guy. His accent slips several times throughout this episode. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely sounds very American. The Yemenis, uh, the Yemenis <laughs> accents going. But our uh, yellow tie man here. I'm watching this episode. I'm like, I know this guy. And I thought he was one of these guys where I would have known from a million different things. Uh, it turns out the only thing I know him from was, is Doctor Who, like the new Doctor Who series. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably the best episode they ever did, uh, which was like a two-part that took place during the moon landing. He was like the main guest star on that, which also, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think Richard Nixon was a character in that uh, as well. Yeah. So this was one that had Richard Nixon's story. Like he wasn't playing Richard Nixon. He was like, I don't know, a Secret Service guy or something, but... Uh, I remember that guy even from the Doctor Who episode being like, wow, this is like one of the best guest stars I've ever had. And seeing him on this, I'm like, oh, this guy's in multiple episodes. And, and I thought I would look at his filmography and be like, he's been in so many things, like, literally almost nothing. I mean, his career started with In the Name of the Father, which was like an Oscar-nominated Daniel Day-Lewis movie. And then everything else he's done since then are like straight-to-video movies. He did Megalodon, a direct-to-video film from 2002. He did extinction predator x from 2010 wow war of the world's goliath from 2012 a lot of guest spots on tv shows probably the most prominent thing he's done is uh an eight episode arc on doom patrol with everybody's favorite oscar winner brendan fraser but that's pretty much it he is good and this guy mark shepherd he's good on this show here and he's uh good uh he's he rocks that yellow tie and he was good on doctor who if anybody wants to check out the impossible astronaut. So if you were to put him on a show with Josh Dallas and Will Estes, <laughs> who would be the biggest star? This guy. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Guaranteed. Because you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Josh Dallas and Will Estes. You know this guy by looking at him. I could tell the difference between those two the, beautiful the, men. Well, if one of them had a yellow tie, it would be easier. Exactly. Exactly. One thing I do love is the bit when uh, Logan's about to sign the treaty and they do the whole thing with the pen because, like, it's a very big thing with, like, presidents and pens. And actually, when he puts the pen in his jacket, like, I again, I don't think they're playing that for, like, the penultimate episode of this season, but, like, that's kind of a weird little foreshadow for a very important moment that will come later in the season. But I love, like, I went to the uh, 
Lyndon B. Johnson uh, Presidential Library when I was in Austin. And they, you know, like it's just a museum essentially to their presidency. And essentially every president, when they sign like a document, like a bill or a treaty or something like that, like they sign it and then kind of like you see how Walt gives him like a pen in a box. They keep the pens so that they can be like in a, in a history, like a library or something like that. This is the pen that this president signed this with. And like, it's they like create memorabilia. It's very formal. Like it's very like, you know, probably it just reminds me of independence day when Jeff Goldblum and, and what's his face, his dad are in the white house and they're waiting for Bill Pullman. Oh it's yeah. Like, seems like got those pens that they give away. <laughs> Chicago's like, dad, what? <laughs> Fucking love that scene. Um, so we're about to get to the the rescue. And so it's another phone call confirmation. Hey, Jack, we're getting ready. Flank two, guys. Flank two. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Flank two. We get it, Jack, all right? Fucking shut up. So they're all ready to go. Um, there's 60 seconds to go, which I always love. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever do this in like movies or TV shows. Whenever they say there's six seconds to go, you count in your head. And generally, like, you know, in movies and TV shows, it's never accurate because they're not real time. It's like six and a half minutes. This is a real time show. I think I got to 31 and they cut back and you see 48 on the clock. So uh, real time, my ass. Um, so this is where, like, tension's going on. Get ready to blow. And who comes in to save the day? Lynn McGill. Uh, so he's all like, stop the operation. They're like, shut up, Lynn. It's like, it's Mr. McGill. By the way, uh, flank two is a code word. He's under duress. Abort the mission. So they abort it with like two seconds to go. Um, Curtis is like, why did you abort the operation? And it's like, oh, he's under duress. And then he's all like, hey, everyone, go to this position. Let's do this. Rub, 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 go rub. to flank three. <laughs> exactly. And then I love old Connie Britton once again, gets shoved aside, goes up to random helmeted dude. What's happening inside? Piss off, Connie Britton. <laughs> you talk about like Kim Raymond just sits at a table. Poor Connie Britton. This is why she yeah. doesn't follow anyone on Instagram. She got abused so much. It's like, I'm Connie Britton. Tell me just, shit. Just interrupt for a second. Are there more episodes with her? Because... Uh, she's, feel- I think she's, she's like, uh, she does, she goes back to CTU. I know there's a scene between her and Audrey, like Audrey, like interrogates her. So, okay, cause um, this yeah. plays out like, oh, this is the end for Derek and, and Connie. I think they might be in one more. Um, because yeah, there's definitely a scene between Audrey and her because it's kind of like, it's a bit awkward. Uh, they're in two more episodes. So, uh, she, oh, okay. yeah, so she's got a couple more to go. Um, but. Yeah, because I, I 100% know there's like, I mean, I'm going to remember that. Kim Raver and Connie Britton share screen time. I mean, come on, Colin, you got to remember that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just weird, though, because, you know, I've seen this season more than once. It's been several years, but I remember everything up until this point. And even I was watching this episode. And I thought, OK, this is the last one that Derek and Connie. I don't know, what is her character's name? We'll just call it Diane. 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 OK, yeah. So Derek and Diane. I thought this was the last episode. And I was almost, I was almost bothered at the end of this episode. I'm like, she gets no closure from Jack. I mean, even Jen got more closure from Tony last season. <laughs> yeah, Jen. Um, so uh, old terrorist no accent here is all like, "What's going on?" Sixty seconds, and they're all like, "I don't fucking know, mate. You heard the phone call." So he calls up CTU and is basically like, "What? What is the deal, Curtis? With you not invading the proper thing?" And they're like, "Um." There was a slight weapons malfunction. Everything went off. Situation normal. 
How are you? Uh, <laughs> I just watched that last night. I mean, Return of the Jedi is being re-released in theaters. So I'm like, let's watch the Star Wars movies. And even before that scene came up, Jamie and I couldn't stop quoting it. There's a, um, at the same theater that they showed the room when I could have gone and seen Greg Sestro, they're doing a marathon, I think, in like a month, basically on a Saturday where they're just showing the original trilogy like back to back to back. Oh. And I've never seen A New Hope or Return of the Jedi on the big screen. So uh, I, I think I might do it. Although there was one actually recently that I so wanted to do it, but I don't think I would have lasted. They were showing um, the first six movies like back to back, like from like nine o'clock at night to like eight in the morning or something like that. They went from oh, episode yeah. one through to episode six. Even they're smart enough to know they don't keep going after episode six. So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I think I, I think I'm going to uh, go to that one on a Saturday. Good way to spend what, like six hours on a Saturday. Just uh, back to back to the back. Best way to spend it. The only better way to spend it would be to spend it with Connie Britton. Oh, Connie Britton, if she's listening, Connie, come to Star Wars. Imagine that. Just send. Yeah. Hey, Connie, uh, you're in Sydney in June. Want to come to Star Wars? I get a message. Sure. Um, you think she's a Star Wars fan? Everyone's a Star Wars fan, Colin. If Connie Britton isn't, she's dead to me. Um, <laughs> let's get her on the show. We've got an exclusive interview. Connie Britton, are you a Star Wars fan? Actually, I've never seen it. And that was Connie Britton. We hate her now. Um. So anyway, in a Star Wars movie. Oh, she would be amazing. Who would she be in Star Wars? Padme's like grandma. I don't know. <laughs> Padme's grandma. <laughs> Padme's sister. Um, she can. There be, you go. <laughs> um, what was what was Padme's sister in? Um, Hello, Casper. Hey, here we go. <laughs> Yay! We're talking about Connie Britton in Star Wars. Would you be a fan? Oh, you yes. have the tablets. Casper, what do wow. you th- what do you think of Connie Britton? You're going to play that one. Okay. What are you playing? You're gonna play it upstairs. What are you going to play, Kaz? He doesn't know. Go on the treadmill, Casper. Go on the treadmill. <laughs> hey, go upstairs and ignore the treadmill. Oh, he's actually yeah. quite obedient now. Like, you used to just come down, run on the treadmill, grab like a Superman thing, and then uh, like piss you off. Now he comes down, like, Dad, I want to watch something. Okay, good, Casper. Bug- bugger off upstairs. He's like, okay. You've caught him on a good day. This is not usual. <laughs> Close the door on your way up too, okay? The, the drugs you're giving him are working. Um, So <laughs> basically CTU repositions into their original place and then they evade. There's people getting shot. Jack's like one-armed, one-legged man, but he chops free of his things and he shoots people. I love the bit when he's about to shoot the main terrorist guy and he kind of does that close eye because he's about to like, what, shoot himself in the head, but then he shoots him in the hand and he's like, ah, then he blows himself up. And Jack's like, no, damn it. Um, everyone gets rescued in all of two seconds to which they like call, like call up like, Hey everyone, guess what? Everyone's fine. Just a couple of uh, cuts and bruises. We sort of get a nine 11 esque moment here when, uh, Mike sort of whispers into Logan's ear and is like, they're all rescued. And I love Logan standing up. Hey everyone. I have good news. <coughs> An operation that I sanctioned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> has been successful. The world is safe. <laughs> like it's Fuck. He's great. Isn't he that? I sanction nobody else. It was all me. Um, I love this moment where like Jack goes up to random CTU agent. Hello, random CTU agent. I'm Jack Bauer. And he's like, I know who you are. It's like, okay. Can you cut my friend free here? Of course, sir. Can you take him to this woman outside called Connie Britton? I will do anything for you, Jack Bauer. And then basically we get a nice hug between Jack and Derek. That's nice. Um, 
And this is yeah, when he gets closure. Yeah. Well, what about we, his mom? Well, we like Derek now. Connie Britton's just been standing outside yelling at people. <laughs> so, and now you got me really worried that she doesn't like Star Wars. So Jackson, like, <laughs> Jackson, like yelling at everyone, like, oh, where's this guy in a yellow tie? So he's, I love how he basically says to the city agent, we need to find the man in the yellow tie. Keep the hostages here. So you're keeping the hostages still hostage? Like, is that basically it? And also, like, I do love in these, like, TV shows and movies. These people have just been held at gunpoint for the last, like, two hours. People have been blown up in front of them, heads blown off everything. They've been rescued and they're just like, oh, shit, all right. Whew, better get to work then, running late. Like, they're traumatized. Still got time to to catch my flights. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You think think 7 o'clock to Anchorage (laughs) is still going? I can make it. Uh, Ding, 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 ding. Flight 702 to Anchorage, Alaska Airlines, is now boarding. Oh, shit. Lucky us. Uh, Connie and Derek have a hug. They're gonna go, Why do they still need to go back to CTU? I don't understand this. Like, because they were initially getting sent back to CTU because Jack was all like, they've got information on this to so send them back. And now they're just like, you need to come to CTU. Shouldn't they just be like, well, no. Like, I'm going to go home. Like, what do we need to go there for? I don't know. Um, well, actually, one thing I've marked down here, which I thought was funny, when Bill's like on the phone, I think this is when Link comes in and asks for the transcripts. Bill's on the phone and he's like... We've estimated there will be more casualties. I want 10 more ambulances before we start. Like, I'm sorry. Are they coming from LA? Are you going to wait another hour? Like, are these, are you just near an ambulance station? Like, Jesus, Bill, talk about being underprepared. Linny's correct in every single thing he's established so far in this episode. Um, speaking of which, this is where we get sort of Lynn coming in and is all like, hello, I'm Lynn McGill. And they're all like, Lynn. You're amazing. You saved everything. And Lynn's all like, no, Bill, you did it. You gave me the courage and the manliness yeah. <laughs> and just the passion of being a CTU man to make me do proud. All the power to you, bro. And they shake hands and you're like, yeah, manly bronus. Look at them. And everyone's like, oh, it's a happy day. And then Lynn's like, so we need to arrest Jack Bauer now. And they're like, what? And as sort of I went on my rant before, uh, he's 100% correct. This is where Kim Raver gets a line. I disagree, Lynn McGill. Well, good for you, Audrey. Bring him in. <laughs> Thanks for your one line of dialogue this episode, Kim Raver. Have your check. Um, Jack then gets to take it out. We get Jack and Curtis little moment. Good to see you. You too. We need to find a man in a yellow tie. Okay, you need to get arrested. Okay, so he buggers off. And then we get sort of the evil moment of the episode where we get... Doctor Who's yellow tie man uh, who walks in, gets a gun pointed at his head and he's all like, you dickhead, where are the canisters? They put on like masks. They reveal this like box with tubes in it. And I guess, I don't know. I think, I think when I first saw this, it was kind of like, oh, these nuclear bombs or something because they've got like the little radioactive biohazard. You don't really know what it is. They put on a mask and they're all like, ooh, I do love how there's like steam coming off here. What is this? Like a fucking Britney Spears concert or something (laughs) like that. Um, so it's like, ooh, evil, evil. Duck, uh, Dudley Do Right, your favorite line from that. Um, so then he rings up, man with the Bluetooth headset, and he's all like, hey, so we've got them. It's like, good, we can continue to be evil. Um, and then split screen, Martha gets chloroformed. Did, 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 did. Happy 100 episodes 24. Yeah, happy, happy. Uh, <laughs> happy, <laughs> happy. Um, yeah, I mean, the action is probably the best part here. Uh, and you get typical 24 action where you're like, oh, that's good for a TV show. To me, this raid on the 
Ontario Airport. Ontario <laughs> Airport. Uh, this is uh, like movie quality action sequence here. Uh, just the lengths they went to. Like there, there's there's one shot in particular that I wish they'd d- done a little bit better though, which is you see them blow the wall and then there's like the giant metal door that collapses. And I watched this twice because I, I'm like, there's that a guy, guy who collapses on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was laughing at that because I'm thinking like, is he deliberate? Like, is he kind of just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like falling on the door. <laughs> but like, I wish that that had been filmed better because I, I'm envisioning like, oh, this could have been like, you know, that, that great shot in Honor Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby sliding down the yeah. ice with a machine gun. I'm like, this guy's like. Barely, like, I, I, what did he do? Did he run into the steel door like boom? And I want to see this guy's. Uh, it, it, it would have been great, but we don't really get to see what happened. So it looks like a guy fell when the door got collapsed. Um, but then even after this, there's like shots of like the CTU uh agents coming in and the, the guys actually visibly on screen getting blown away by machine guns. It's like you know, an old Godfather movie or something like, ah, like being riddled with bullets is pretty graphic. And then the thing here with uh, uh, Mr. American accent uh, poking through here with uh, Jack, where he shoots his hand like you you don't expect that because it, it's it's something exactly what we do. This is speed. Shoot the hostage, you know. Um, but when he shoots his hand, you're like, oh, good idea, Jack. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's why you're getting paid the big bucks and I'm not. Uh, and then when he goes to the vest, like I, I had already forgotten. Oh yeah, there's that thing with the vests blowing up. So he goes and debts himself on the other vest. Again, you get a couple of nice surprises in this action sequence here. Um, I, I would say that normally I would be a little bit more bothered that we have this big buildup and then they open up the giant cube <laughs> and then there's these canisters. And you're like, so what is this? Because we're not really being told what any of the stakes are in this episode, but I think that's actually one of the things that works for season five. They're teasing you with, whoa, I know that's something. I know that's something dangerous because Sean Callery's music tells me that's something dangerous, but you don't know quite what it is. And maybe in a past season, I'd be more bothered by this. I'm like, wait, I want to know what is it? I, I want them, one of them to say, yes, we have the Centox nerve gas in our custody <laughs> and the Americans will crumble when we wield this mighty power. Uh, but instead, you just get the shot of them opening it. You're like, ooh, ooh, I think that's going to be something that's going to play out in a couple episodes. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still okay with it. Uh, I mean, really, the, the the cliffhanger is the Martha thing. I don't think you could have ended this episode with the revelation of that gas or anything, but it's still great. Um, I actually have a bit of an issue with the whole Curtis meets Jack. You know, good to see you, bud. Uh, to me right now, Curtis, maybe if it was any other character but Curtis, they'd be doing this. This is where Jack would be like, Curtis... So good to see you. And Chris like, dude, we were supposed to be friends. Yeah. You couldn't have told me you were alive. We were in a fantasy football competition and you left me hanging, bro. What the fuck? I mean, the very least I want Curtis to be like, yeah, Jack, you're alive. We had tickets to Hamilton. I couldn't find anyone else to go with me and I lost <laughs> exactly. money. Just something because it's like he's addressing it like a, oh, good to see you. you yeah. Know, how's retirement been? Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the oil rig's treating you well. I heard Connie Britton makes a mean breakfast. You think I could get invited over one day? Just something, just to, to acknowledge the fact that there are two characters this season who we had earlier scenes of in the previous three episodes where they're like, ah, they didn't tell us, but Jack's alive. I, I I never suspected this. One moment. That's all I wanted with Curtis and Jack is just one moment. Yeah, and that's that's been my issue with so many of these characters. They're just kind of like, oh, well, he's alive. 
All right, moving on. Yeah. Cool. I mean, again, plot's got a plot. We're going to move forward. We can't dwell on this, but like, I mean, it's still just like, okay, like, cool. All right. Um, as I mentioned, this is the hundredth episode. I mean, the book doesn't really give a whole lot more to what 24 wiki does. And they basically had a uh, celebratory party uh, where they put a best of montage together, which can be seen on the season five DVD. And I actually remember that. I vaguely remember when I had the season five. Are you, are you watching this on DVD still? Do you have the DVD? Like, yeah, I, 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 didn't see any features on this disc, but it, it probably on a different disc, or maybe I just missed. Yeah, they it. usually have like the bonus disc, so um, yeah. If you find it and you want to upload it, I'd like to like to see it again. I'm sure it might be online, but uh, sure, sure, because sure. you still contacted that freaking guy we asked you to contact a few weeks ago. I mean, he's on the show, isn't he? So uh, clearly, <laughs> I do love just on the user reviews on IMDb. One of the headlines: a miracle, but yeech, somebody has gas. Um, so <laughs> what is ye- ye- yeech? yeech? What yeech? Y e e c h. I don't know, Colin. I'm not down with the kids. Um, <laughs> I don't know what TikTok is still. Come on. Um, other than that, I've got no other exciting trivia to add. Um, but yeah, 100th episode, groundbreaking moment. I guess we moment of silence. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm buying it. Silent clock for episode number one. Silent clock. Uh, but I mean, we will get to episode 200. So, uh, you know, there is that. Well, technically, technically, uh, live another day takes us to 200 if I'm doing my math correctly, that, which it everyone, counts. Yeah, it depends. I, I count that as season nine. So, legacy, whatever. Um, so, I'm buying it. Are you continuing your streak? Yes, the streak continues. Good job, Colin Hilding. I am proud of your effort of doing so. Good job. But where are you going to rank it? Uh, oh, before I rank this one, uh, I just want to say I have a missing episode somewhere. If anybody knows where my missing episode is, I'm, I'm going through my rankings. I'm like, I've only got 99 episodes here. Which one is missing? Am I going to have to do this one, two, <laughs> three? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually, I'm, I'm trying to find the season four finale. I'm pretty sure that's the one that's missing here. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. But um, yeah, I, like I said at the beginning, these four episodes play out so seamlessly as like a mini movie that uh, my rankings reflect that aside from episode one, which is ranked number nine. Um, I've got this right together with, with uh, not sandwiched in between, but to, uh, right below episodes two and three. So basically my rankings go number 21 is episode three of the season. Number 22 is episode two of the season. And this one is episode 23 or uh, this one's episode. <laughs> this one's episode four is number 23. So Episodes two, three, and four are twenty-one through twenty-three, just in a shuffled order. I have very similar, except I've got, I guess, uh, a couple episodes in between. So I've got this at number eighteen, and I have uh, episode two at fourteen, episode three at sixteen, and episode four at eighteen. Only sandwiched by the season four penultimate episode and the campus episode, which is just above this. So, and I've got, um, yeah. And obviously, I had the smart choice of putting the premiere episode at number two overall. Uh, but well, you're really beat up about that. It's a number nine episode. If we had listeners um, who were 24 fans, they would be ripping you a new one. Trust me. Um, I, oh, after 216 episodes, this episode will finish at 30th for me. So uh, there you go. Just in case you're playing at home. Um, next week... We uh, get some interesting things. Someone at CTU might be evil. Evil. 
Um, we get a uh, nice Jack and Audrey scene. So we get them reuniting next week. And we get Kim Raver and Connie Brittany in the same room. A dream that I've had my entire life. So uh, there you go. And we get more on the gas. So I think we actually hear the word Centox nerve gas next week. So, um, yeah, have you watched it yet? Any thoughts? Nope. But uh, just looking through, uh, some of this is flooding back. The the, the Logan-Martha stuff is going to be great. Yes. Uh, this is where it really picks up next week. They are naked the entire <laughs> episode. Uh, it's great. With Walt feeling them up. Exactly. Um, in terms of where we're at in anniversary month, Truman Show coming out this week, which I'm just, I'm so fucking pumped for. I mean... This movie is just amazing. Um, uh, we haven't recorded the episode yet, so obviously we'll give a lot more of our background there. But, I mean, I know we did The Grinch, but um, we're finally doing a Jim Carrey movie that I appreciate. With, yeah. I mean, I like The Grinch. I don't dislike The Grinch, but I just, it's, you know, Jim Carrey is probably my favourite actor of all time. And the fact that we can do one that I would watch religiously. I saw this at the movies. Like, I've got so many things to talk about with it. But, um yeah, I mean, are you are you pumped for the Truman Show? Yeah, I, I, we both love this movie. Um, it's one of the most unique movies at the time. It was one of the most unique movies yeah. anybody had ever seen. And this is pre-reality TV, which is interesting. <laughs> I, I feel like watching this movie now and covering this movie now is like your perspective may change a little bit on it. It's like the, there was the this, and then there was the Matthew McConaughey one, Ed TV. They're very similar. They came out, I think, a year apart or whatever. But, I mean, this was Jim Carrey's big dramatic breakthrough, even though I would argue if you were to release this now, people would probably still label it as a comedy. Like, there's there's a lot of humor in it. It's not all drama. And one of the worst things ever to happen in movies that he was absolutely snubbed for even a nomination at the Oscars. Mm. Like, absolutely. I think he holds the record still for, like, wasn't he, like, the first person to win a golden globe dramatic acting role and not get nominated or like only like the second or third in history or something there's some distinction where basically he didn't even get nominated although he did then make a hilarious uh speech at the oscars that year which if you've never seen look it up uh he's sort of he was presenting an award and it was just like hilarious and his speech when he wins the golden globe is hilarious because he's basically like alluding to it like oh i'm so i want to thank the academy he's like oh whoops what did i say um so he kind of makes fun of it so uh, anyway, that's coming up, The Truman Show. We did Mrs. Doubtfire last week, American Graffiti the week before, and then the week after next we have Rush as we continue Anniversary Month. Like, subscribe, do all the fun things at the end, Patreon, sure, and listen to our other shows because they're better. Uh, my name is Ben, and it's time for you to attend to me. And my name is Mary Pippins. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)